and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these in recent culture so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Well, you wouldn't usually get more than one episode out of me a week, but alas, we didn't take into account that the Queen would pass away, and of course, time's arrow neither stops nor goes back, as they say, and we must move swiftly forward, so you have been given two this week as a thank you, realistically, for bearing with me whilst I go through this weird transition period of power within the country I was born and raised in. It's it's a very odd dynamic here at the moment, but I digress. I hope you all had a lovely moon festival if you do celebrate it on the 10th of September. I went down to Chinatown in London to celebrate with my Chinese cousins. We had mooncakes and fluffy cake and I even tried pig intestine, which was wild. That's all I'm going to say. But this monster is actually almost as famous as the story of Shang'e and the moon rabbit within Chinese culture. So this week we are heading obviously back over to China and looking at an amazing monster who definitely does not deserve the title of monster. Maybe Beast would be more apt. But this episode is on the wonderful and mystical Monkey King, or otherwise known as Sun Wukong. I have shortened it to just Wukong in this, just as it's easier within writing it and generally talking about it, so he will be referred to throughout this as Wukong. Wukong is described as a half-monkey, half-man figure from Chinese mythology. He's most famous from the Chinese story of Journey to the West, where he goes on an epic quest to earn immortality and fame that he's currently associated with within modern media and also modern myth. He is usually described as having a usual humanoid but hairy body with a long spider monkey-like tail and a monkey's face, wearing a typical Buddhist vestment. He's known as the Trickster and is also the most hot-headed and powerful character in Journey to the West, which is known as a Chinese satire and comedy because of Wukong's sassy quip throughout their travels. He carries a few bits of magical equipment and has a massive variation of powers, which I will go over in more detail, because realistically, in terms of what he looks like, that's about it. He's just a humanoid monkey, I suppose. Firstly, and most importantly, is his staff, the Royal Jing Yubang, which is one of these that I'll say in their native language, because all of the others are actually in Chinese characters. So this roughly translates to magic golden cloth rod. This is his primary weapon, and was originally an iron rod that was used to measure the depths of the ocean. The staff weighs 8.1 tons, but due to Wukong's powers, he can lift this quite easily and also shrink it, usually wearing it like a hairpin behind his ear when he's not using it. Then we have the phoenix feather cap, which is basically a circlet adorned with phoenix feathers or fenhuang feathers in Chinese, which isn't noted to have any specific powers or abilities, but we do know from myth that phoenixes and fenhuangs are attributed to rebirth and reincarnation, so it might just be that it wasn't used in his adventures power-wise. He's also given a golden chainmail, which he wore under his vestments, protecting him from most physical harm, 
Again, it's not magical, so to say, but it is pretty rare and a cool thing for a Monkey King to be wearing. He was actually gifted all of these by the Dragon Kings, but we'll get into that actual story later on. He also has a magical headband, which controls the wearer and tightens to inflict horrific pain when a specific chant is spoken. Now, it was originally given to him as a trap rather than a gift, and during this story of Journey to the West, he is controlled using this headband as a kind of please tone it down kind of thing. So in terms of does it benefit him? It doesn't. It's more of a collar, so to say. But it is still something that has a magical ability. Lastly, the cloud stepping shoes, which were made of lotus fibre and allowed Wukong to glide on clouds at tremendous speeds, sometimes appearing as flying on them due to the speed and height above the ground which he could use this. But he did actually have some inherent powers, possibly the biggest one being shape-shifting. He had the power to change into 72 different shapes, including objects, but he could never get rid of his monkey tail, therefore kind of giving him away in some of the worst of times. He also had the power to pick off the hair from his body and use the strands as multiple versions of himself, so kind of like an illusion, and having many, many versions of himself being everywhere to confuse his opponents. He also had general fire resistance, a power to harness the wind, and he could survive in really deep water. And he could also utilise this skill by freezing enemies' bodies in motion, which was quite handy in a fight, I imagine. Speaking of protection, he could also draw a circle around himself or others with his staff to cast a protective barrier. And he could break locks by pointing at them, he could jump 33 miles in a single leap, and summon all local deities to his position for assistance. So he really did have a whole bunch of powers. But lastly, and probably the coolest, is that he can identify evil no matter what form it takes. Although it does sting his eyes, apparently, which I imagine is quite funny. I picture it like a chlorine burn when you're in a pool. <laughs> but alas, that is all of the powers he has. But they are a lot, and they are quite cool. So he is quite a talented monkey, I must say. But onto etymology, Sun Wukong literally translates into monkey awakened by the emptiness, which definitely sounds quite ominous. And the history, I suppose, and his birth behind this guy is pretty cool. I wouldn't say it's ominous, but it's definitely kind of matches up with the emptiness awakening. Wukong's story begins in the famous legend of Journey to the West, which I talked about earlier. You'll hear me say this a million times in this podcast because it's one of the biggest Chinese stories. The novel was actually written during the Ming Dynasty in the 16th century by Wu Chengen, which is considered one of the most famous and most classic Chinese legends of all time. It focuses on the monk Zhuan Zhang, who was given a momentous task of retrieving the Buddhist sutras from India and Central Asia, and with him are three protectors one of which being our wonderful son Wukong, as an atonement for the sins he had committed in the past. Now, what sins? Let me tell you about Wukong's history. He is truly a character to behold. As really, in terms of cultural and historical origin, that's really all there is. He is, realistically, a character in a story written in the 16th century, but he's gone on to live in his own myths and legends in his own right. So I'll tell you the story of Journey of the West in Wukong's way, but he generally has loads of little tangents. 
Wukong's life begins like most other people's, as a rock on the mountain Huago, and was so whipped around by the strong winds that the rock is shaped into a monkey supernaturally and becomes imbued with life. Wukong at this point has no powers, just to note, he is just a monkey who was made by the wind. But he does find a tribe of monkeys who live in the cave of the water curtain, and he becomes the king of them in a pretty short time. He sees one of the elder monkeys pass away and realises, much like most of us, that he's terribly mortal, and he leaves the tribe to seek immortality through the ways of Taoist Buddhism. He trains with the monks, and he learns those 72 transformations, alongside the rest of his powers that are not linked to his weaponry. However, during this time, the ten judges of the dead come to collect his soul, obviously symbolising that he was old, it was his time, but Wukong literally fights back and manages to remove his name and the rest of the monkey tribe from the Book of Life and Death, making them technically immortal, but through pretty nefarious means. This brings on the attention of the Jade Emperor, who might sound like a person, he wasn't. He was an entity and the first god within the Taoist theology, and he grants Wukong the title Keeper of the Heavenly Horses, and invites him to live in the Immortal's residence on Mount Penglai as a god. He does this mainly because he wants to keep an eye on Wukong, and he's a little bit miffed about what he did with the judges, so he keeps him there just to kind of subdue him with this title. However, Wukong figures out that actually this title is the lowest someone can get in the heavens, and he's not actually a god that he suspected. So he leaves the mountain and returns home, and declares himself Great Sage Equal of Heaven. The Jade Emperor sends thousands of soldiers after him, as this absolute defilement really riles him up, but none can defeat the Monkey King forcing the Emperor to give him the title of Guardian of the Heavenly Peach Garden, which, to be fair, doesn't sound much better, but it really, really is. These peaches contain the power to grant immortality for 3,000, 6,000 or 9,000 years, so Wukong, just as a little bit of defiance, and he really wants this immortality, eats all of the peaches. Within the same afternoon, he gets told that the Emperor is throwing this really lavish banquet and makes sure that Wukong knows that he is not invited and certainly not welcome. Wukong absolutely flips out, goes on a rampage, and he steals the heavenly wine from the banquet and Lozai's pills of immortality. Then he goes on to defeat a hundred thousand celestial soldiers before going back to his mountain. So now he's just got millions of bits of immortality, however it's not enough for him to be truly immortal. So he then sets off to continue to find more immortalising objects, making his way to the undersea palace of the Dragon King of the East Sea, where he pulls a supporting beam to the castle off of the wall and declares it as his staff. This is the actual staff that he goes on to use. The Dragon King retorted, that he could have it if he could use it with its immense 8.1 tonne weight, which Wukong does with ease, and actually Wukong was so insulted that the Dragon King asked him to do this that he demanded other gifts, and they were the other physical gifts that I mentioned earlier from the Dragon Lords, so the Golden Chainmail, the Phoenix Cat, all of that. And the Dragon Lords weren't too happy about this either, so they go back to the Jade Emperor, the Jade Emperor is already pretty annoyed, 
and Wukong now has an immense amount of immortality and all of his weapons and power at his disposal. He truly was a machine at this point. So the Jade Emperor goes to the Buddha and asks him to contain the Monkey King. He's got a little bit too big for his boots. And the Buddha does so and appears to Wukong in a gigantic form, holding the Monkey King in his hands. He then challenges Wukong to escape in one somersault from his hands, and that will give him his escape and his enlightenment. Wukong fails, obviously. Buddha then traps him under the Five Elements Mountain for 500 years, until one of the other three protectors of Zhuanzang comes along, called Tang Sangzang. And he basically frees him with Wukong joining the then protector's team. However, as you've heard from this story, and I've also said, he is the trickster, but he is the most intelligent of the group of four. But he's also a little bit out of control. So Tang Sangzang uses the magical headband that I was talking about earlier to control Wukong's temper by causing him that horrific headache if his jokes go a bit too far. But ultimately, they go on this adventure, they retrieve all of the sutras, and Wukong ultimately achieves enlightenment and becomes a Buddha, known as the Victorious Fighting Buddha, and finally gets his long-desired godlike immortality. So it does have a happy ending, but he is a bit of a nightmare, to put it bluntly. But now on to modern media. There is a whole load this week, as this monster is really ingrained into modern media, as he's such a good character to adapt. In this though, just to know, I'll be talking about the Monkey King in adaptations of Journeys to the West, as well as general tropes including Monkey Kings in other media here. For art, it's a bit complicated, as the art is ancient tapestries usually, so they don't have dates or artists attached to them a lot of the time. We do know that they're post-16th century, but you can find them by looking at Sun Wukong with Tan San Zhang, and Sun Wukong fighting a wind demon, but do have a look at modern art with the games that are attached to this too. There really is some incredible, incredible independent art with this guy. In movies, we have quite a few, like Kung Fu Panda, The Cave of the Silken Web, and there's two of those. There's one from 1927 and one from 1967. A Chinese Odyssey, The Forbidden Kingdom, Journey to the West, Conquering the Demons, The Lost Empire, The Legend of the Monkey King, The Monkey King 1, 2, and 3, Monkey's Son, New Pilgrims to the West, Monkey Goes West, Princess Iron Fan, and The Land of Many Perfumes. For TV, we have Kung Fu Panda, The Paws of Destiny, Jackie Chan Adventures, Avatar, The Last Airbender, Monkey Kid, Miraculous Ladybug, Super Sentai, Into the Badlands, Digimon, Dragon Ball, Naruto, My Hero Academia, One Piece, God of High School, Shinzo, Sayuki, Queen's Blade, Monkey Magic, Journey to the West, Legends of the Monkey King, Journey to the West, Return of the Demon King, Monkey King, Hero is Back, Monkey King Reborn, Journey to the West, Monkey King, Quest for the Sutra, and the New Legends of Monkey. In video games, we have ones such as Dota 2, League of Legends, Azura's Wrath, Best Fiends, Fate slash Grand Order, Awesome Noughts, Monster Legends, Lunar Eternal Blue, Enslaved Odyssey to the West, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout, Final Fantasy XIV, Mickey's Journey to the West, Honor of Kings, Unruly Heroes, Smite, Heroes of New Earth, Monkey King, Hero is Back, Fortnite, 
Gunfire Reborn, Black Myth Wukong, Mega Man, Totally Accurate Battle Simulator, Civilization VI, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Pokemon, Bookworm Adventures Volume 2, Shin Megami Tensei, Persona, Warframe, Kingdom Hearts 10, and World Heroes. Now my book recommendation this week though, I would say have a read of the actual Journey to the West by Wu Shengen. I really did check and you can get all 20 odd books on Amazon or you can get a shorter or should I say only one book version too and it was leather bound. So definitely check that out this week. But now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Well, because this guy is just a singular entity, it's a little bit weird to talk about if he exists. Also due to the fact that he's now reached enlightenment, in theory, Wukong wouldn't exist on the earth anymore anyway. But it does mean that he definitely deserves a certain respect within mythology and folklore, and this one is still so respected and looked at within Chinese culture. However, it probably is just a story. It's It seems to be verging on the fictional side. It is certainly an interesting one, but taking all of the history and the fiction side out of context, would a majestic staff-wielding monkey man exist? I'm probably going to say no, much like a lot of our hybrid monsters, it's pretty likely he did not exist. Nonetheless though, he's a very cool monster with very cool powers and a great backstory, so we'll certainly take it. But what do you think? Did Wukong roam the earth once? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think. I thought that was a really fun monster this week. I really enjoyed how different this one was to what we usually do. I'm definitely going to try and cover ones like this in the future, and I do have plans to talk about the Greek labour monsters from Heracles' myth, so maybe that will be slightly like this one, I'm not sure. Now normally, I would announce the next monster here, but it's time for my biannual two-week break. Hooray! I'll be away now until the 6th of October, when we'll be looking at the first, at least I think the first, French monster on the podcast. Make sure you're keeping an eye on your local churches, because we are looking at the wonderful gargoyle when we come back on the 6th of October. For now though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcasts, and the Twitter is MythMonstersPod. But all of our content can always be found at MythMonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky, and I'll see you in October, babes! Bye!